Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Good to see you here this morning. Glad everybody is able to join us as well on Facebook Live to worship with us. Uh, it's a special day as we celebrate the birth of Christ. I'm also excited that at the end of the service, we're going to have a baptism. I'm excited to baptize my 14-year-old son, Roman. So he's going to give his testimony here at the end. We're going to have a baptism. And just to let you know, if, if any of you want to be baptized, have not been baptized, let me encourage you to consider that. We'll figure it out during all this virus, what that could look like. But we'd love to you to follow the Lord in obedience to baptism. We can talk about that another time, though. Today's message is more of a Christmas devotional, mainly from uh, John chapter 1, 9 through 13. We just finished Malachi, and we finished 2 Timothy. And when we kick off the new year, we're going to be going into the Sermon on the Mount for a few uh, weeks and months. But today is going to be a time for more of a devotional Christmas message. I became a Christian in college. When I was a new Christian, I didn't know what we're supposed to do, but I figured one of the things we're supposed to do is read the Bible. And one of the things that we did as new Christians in college is we would ask each other what our favorite verses were to share and to encourage. I asked this one person what their favorite verse was, and this person told me that they're not going to tell me because it meant too much to them. And I thought, all right, Christians are weird, but that's fine. So a few days passed and I asked them again, and they said they still wouldn't tell me. So I let a long time pass, and I finally said, what is your favorite verse? And this person said, all right, I'm going to tell you, but I can't tell you in front of you, and you can't read it in front of me, because the verse that's my favorite verse makes me cry. And I don't want to cry in front of you. I get too embarrassed. So I need you to go and look it up later, and then you can read it. And so that person's favorite verse and saddest verse is right here in John chapter 1, verse 11. Let me read it to you. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Jesus came to his own people, Israel, the Jews, but they did not receive him. That is an extremely sad verse. This reverse reminds me of a woman who my wife and I knew back in Santa Monica, California. That was where I pastored my first church, and while we were there, my wife and I started a college ministry at a college called Santa Monica College. And one of the students that was in our group was a woman named Nicole. Nicole was a woman who was about 24 to 25 years old, and she had a form of autism. She is possibly the nicest person I've ever met. She knew all the names of my extended family. She knew the name of my fish. She would ask me each time, I'll never forget her voice, saying, how's Chad? That was the name of my fish. 
She wanted to know. When I talked to her, she was always joyful and so excited about living life. And I don't think she ever thought about harming people with her words or violence. And she was very pleasant to speak with anybody. And when she walked into a room, she carried herself to say, I'm here, but don't think about me because I'm going to ask you questions about you. I'm going to care about you. But Nicole has had a lot of problems in life. People have made fun of her her whole life. People have ignored her her whole life. Even when she was in college, people made fun of her and ignored her. And it's very, very sad to see that happening to such a nice person. And we've all had times in our life where we think we're going to be received well by others, but we're just given the cold shoulder, and it it hurts a lot. Jesus came to his own. But his own did not receive him. Jesus, who is God and creator, came to his people as their creator and as their savior. Most ignored him, and some eventually killed him. Jesus still comes to people today, and a few are hostile, but most just ignore him. But there is some good news in this. If you look at verse 12, Look at verse 12. You will see that there are some who receive him. John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Jesus comes here today, creator of you. Do you know him not only as creator, but also Savior. Wouldn't it be horrible to end your life and to be included in one of the saddest verses of the entire Bible that Jesus came to you and you did not receive him? I would hate that to be said of me for eternity. So let's ask a couple questions today. It's really going to be simple today. We're going to ask two questions. What does it mean to receive Jesus? And what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, that's basic stuff, right? What does it mean to receive Jesus? And what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It seems so basic, and yet somehow we have messed that up big time. Well, let's consider receiving and believing by looking at John chapter 1, starting at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. The world did not know Jesus. Let let me set this up for you. I I found this extremely helpful. I I read this somewhere, and it's really helpful. Okay, here we go. Cary Grant. Cary Grant once told how he was walking along a street and started to pass by a man who began staring at him with a look of excited recognition. The man said, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're... You're, I know you're, don't tell me your name, uh, you're Rock Hudson, no, you're, and then Cary Grant, the famous actor, interrupted him, and he finished the man's sentence and said, Cary Grant, and the man said, no, 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 that's not it. <laughs> Did you see the irony there? So Cary Grant, standing right in front of the man, identified himself to the man, but he would not take Cary Grant's word for it. 
Jesus often found himself in the same situation as Cary Grant. He stood in front of people and claimed to be the incarnate presence of God, yet people said to him, no, 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 that's not it. You must be someone else. You must be John the Baptist back from the dead. You must be a prophet or something like that. But Jesus made claims. He's like, no, no, I'm the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, deity itself, yet people confronted him with this sad truth and said, no, 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 that, that's not who you are. Surely you must be someone else. No, you're not the Messiah. Now, we know the Messiah because when the Messiah comes, he's, he's, we know where he's going to come from. We know what he's going to be like. And, and you don't match the description of we have in mind. And so John spoke this sad truth in verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. Isn't that incredible? That the scriptures are so clear in telling us who Jesus is, and yet we're so uncertain about his identity. So we ask our first question, what does it mean to receive Jesus? I want to put this to you very simply. I've, I've, one of my, the guys I've respected a lot throughout my ministry is a guy named John Piper, and he's really instructed me and taught me a lot about what it means to receive Jesus because people mess this up. And he says this, He says, to receive Jesus, this is simple, to receive Jesus means to welcome him into your life as he is. If he presents himself to you as Savior, receive him as Savior. If he presents himself to you as Lord, receive him as Lord. If he presents himself to you as a comforter, receive him as a comforter. If he presents himself to you as King, receive him as a King. However Jesus presents himself to you, to you, whether it's a leader or, or protector or, or authority, receive him as he presents himself to you and welcome him into your life as he is. Receive him for who he is. But that's not what we hear today. We do not hear that message today on receiving Jesus. It has a different meaning, and I'm going to share you something that you've heard before, and this, is, this drives me nuts. This is what you've heard before. This is what it means to receive Jesus, all right? Jesus is knocking on the door. I stand at the door and knock, right? You go and you open the door and say, oh, Jesus, it's you. Come on in. Come here. I want to show you your room. Now, come on in here. Now, come in my life. I want you to stay in your room and shut your door and don't play your music too loud because I dance to a different tune. So many today say, you know, I can receive Jesus as my Savior. He's my Savior. You're going to find very few people around these neck of the woods that are not going to say Jesus is my Savior. But that means something totally different because they are not receiving him as Lord. Jesus is both Savior and Lord. A lot of people want to receive Jesus the way they want him to be. Think about the story in the Gospel of Luke, right? Remember this? Jesus goes into a synagogue in Nazareth. Remember this? He stands up and he, and he reads from the scroll and then he sits down and people say, man, Jesus is awesome. We like him. And, and they're receiving him. And then he starts pointing fingers at their hearts and their pride. And they're like, we don't like this guy. And they try to run him off and throw him off a cliff. All in the same passage. Why is that? It's because they're not receiving Jesus who he is. They're receiving Jesus who they want him to be. 
They want some type of religious experience. They want some type of guy that fits their mind and their heart. They want some peaceful coexistence of what it means to receive Jesus and yet not have to deal with him. And so I want to tell you this, and if you want to write this down, fine. If not, fine. Listen to this. Receiving Jesus into your life means to welcome Jesus into your life for who he is, not for who you want him to be. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Receiving Jesus into your life means to welcome Jesus into your life for who he is, not for who you want him to be. If we are going to receive Jesus, we receive him for who he is. If he says he is our Savior, he is our Savior. If he says he is Lord, he is our Lord. And we submit our lives to him for who he is, not for who we want him to be. So when you talk to people about receiving Jesus, just don't say the name Jesus without explaining who Jesus is because people have a lot of messed up thoughts about Jesus. Like he's some dude in a robe with long flowing hair. We want to receive the true Jesus who is Lord, who is King, who makes demands on your life. Who's not going to come and just hang out in some room with the door closed. He is coming to rule and reign over your life. And that's a good thing. We want to receive him for who he is. But now look at verse 12. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And here it is. Even to those who believe in his name. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Supposedly living in this Christian nation that has been watered down, many people will say they believe or they have faith. People can be living in massive sin saying they believe and have faith. So telling somebody, you just need to believe, it can be so empty and meaningless in our culture. So what does it mean when we tell someone to believe in Jesus? What does that mean? I don't have much time. I like to take you through all the book of John to explain this to you. But I'm going to be really brief. Once again, John Piper's encouraged me. I mean, there's so many ways that belief is explained in the book of John. Can we just look at one verse? Turn in your Bibles. You can do this. John 6.35. Just turn a little bit over to John 6.35. We're just going to look at one verse on what it looks like to believe in the name Jesus. John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. This verse teaches that believing in Jesus means being satisfied with Jesus. It means that Jesus is the food that feeds the hunger of your soul. The point is, it's not just mere intellectual assent where we say, Jesus, you are the Son of God. 
It's saying, you satisfy my soul. I believe in you. And we could go on and on. If we looked later in the book of John, we were see that in John 8, we see that believing is connected with loving Jesus. And if we look at John 12, we see that believing in Jesus is connected with trusting Jesus. And if we looked at John 12, we would say believing in Jesus is connected with stepping away from darkness. All these put together, we're saying that Jesus is precious and he's viable to us. So valuable that believing him is giving him our total life. It's not just about praying prayers or saying, yes, I agree with these theological facts. It's saying that my heart, I'm down with Jesus. I trust him. I love him. He fulfills me. You see how it's a heart thing. Believing is not just intellectual. It is that, but it's also a heart thing issue where we're saying when I trust Christ my heart is involved and I trust him to save me from my sins and to rule over my life drill down on that with people don't just get people to agree to facts go right at their heart you are a sinner you're in desperate need of salvation from Jesus that's why he died that's why he rose you can trust him to save you you can trust him to fulfill your life you can trust him to give you life eternally so I ask have you received Jesus do you believe in Jesus Have you received Jesus for who he is? Not who you want him to be, but for who he is. Savior, Lord, King, Master. Have you believed in him? Not just intellectual assent, but your heart is with him. You're not perfect, and you realize that, and that's the point. Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Have you received him? Have you believed in him? Do you trust Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? The good news is, is that every single person in here, every single person listening online can get in on this good news of Jesus, the great God-man who lived a perfect life that you could not live, died on the cross, bearing the wrath of God, dying a death you could not die, buried, rose again, reigning at the right hand of the Father, conquering sin, Satan, and death. And the good news is, is that you can receive him into your life now. You can believe in him now. You don't have to fix yourself, clean yourself up. The point is, come all messed up. And you can be forgiven of your sins, clothed in righteousness, and live forever. I don't think we understand that Christmas has implications for the future. Do you understand that Jesus Christ forgives you and gives you eternal life where you will be free from sin, reigning with Christ in heaven forever. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? That he's going to take people like us, save us through his work, clothe us in righteousness, and give us eternal life. Can you imagine the joy that we're going to find in heaven with him forever? We sing joyful, joyful, we're pumped about right now, but we're talking about joyful, joyful forever. I'm going to leave you with this image. I have to leave you with this image because I've been blown away and I'm still remembering it many years later. So I mentioned Nicole at the beginning of my sermon. It's the autistic girl. who be- I want to tell you something about her. She became a Christian while she was in college. So when we met her, she was a fresh Christian. 
And the reason why she became a Christian is because Nicole can't function on her own, so she needed a helper, and the woman's name was Connie. This, this older, saintly woman shared the gospel with Nicole. Nicole gets saved. And I, we see Nicole fresh on fire for the Lord. She's singing songs of praise to God. We go out passing tracks out on the college campus. She goes out, passes hundreds, come back and said, can I please have some more here? And she goes out and passes some more. She was on fire for the Lord. It was awesome to be around her. And one Friday night, Nicole called me on the phone. She asked how my family was doing, and she asked how Chad was doing, how my fish was doing. And she told me um, on Friday night, she said, you know, I just want to tell you that on Monday, you can turn on the TV and I'll be on Wheel of Fortune. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. You know, you got to be in the audience. Where did you sit? She's like, no, I was a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. And I'm thinking, there's no way they let you on Wheel of Fortune. And I said, and I'm like, I'm just going along with it. I said, okay, how did you do? She said, well, uh, I, I won rounds two, three, four, and five, and then I won the bonus round. She just said it's so plain. And I'm thinking, there's no way. And I'm like, all right, thanks for telling me. And I, I told Melissa, uh, my wife, when we got the phone, I said, you're not going to believe. Nicole says she's on the Wheel of Fortune. My wife's like, Jason, has she ever lied to you? I'm like, no, she's never lied to me. So... Monday, we turn on the TV, and there she is, right there. Pat Sajak's right there, and she's on Will of Fortune. And she, she won round two, three, four, and five. Uh, and then she won the bonus round. She won $10,000 in the rounds and then a new car. And we get to watch this, and I'm thinking, I cannot believe this. And, and it, it, what was so amazing about it is here's a girl who's been treated badly her whole life, because she was different. And God's like, I'm going to save her. And I'm going to bless her. And I don't even know if Nicole, if, how Nicole interprets all that. Because I don't even think she functions with money. She certainly can't drive. But, but here's this great, this great image. It's a beautiful picture of what God does. Of what he does when the world ignores and even despises people. God's like, you know, I'm going to grant them salvation. And I'm going to grant them joy with me forever and eternity. And, and that's really what Christmas is about, of Christ offering salvation to people like us who are undeserving and eternal life to all those who receive and believe in him that he satisfies forever. And so I ask you one more time, will you receive Christ today? Will you believe in Jesus today? Today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and exploding on the scene of this earth and granting us salvation through Jesus. And many of us have had crazy thoughts of what it means to receive you, what it means to believe in you. And I just ask, Lord, that we receive you for who you are, that we would receive you as our Savior, that we would receive you as Lord, that we would receive you as Comforter, that we would receive you as Counselor, as Protector, as Authority, and as King. May we receive you for who you are. 
And may we find that as we believe in you, you satisfy our souls. You give us more joy than the sins of this earth. You satisfy us now and forever, and may we believe in you. Lord, continue to draw people to yourself to receive you and to believe. And may we see testimonies now and on into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite my son, Roman, up here. Now, if you don't know what baptism is all about, let me just explain it to you. It's a picture of what has happened to us spiritually. Uh, My son's going to go under the water, and he's going to come up. And what that means is, spiritually speaking, he he has died and gone, been buried. And when he comes up out of the water, he's being brought forth into new life, which which has already happened. Baptism does not save Jesus saves, but baptism is a picture of, of what has happened, spiritually speaking. So, Roma, come, come on up here, and I'll let you give your testimony. We figured we'd do the testimony here rather than up there. So we're going to give testimony here, we're going to sing, and then we're going to go up there, all right? So here you go, son. Ever since I was old enough to understand my parents, I was told that everyone needs Jesus. I never truly understood this till I was nine years old. During the summer of 2016, I got my hands on some inappropriate videos. I was able to refrain from putting my eyes on these videos. However, I was not willing to confess what I had done. Coincidentally, during the last few weeks of that summer, members of my church were giving their testimonies. One of the members giving their testimony told the church about how, how he had displayed immorality with what he put in front of his eyes. But then he told everyone how he confessed his sins and received the grace of God. I know that I knew that I couldn't live how I was for the rest of my life, so I decided it was time for a change. <laughs> that night, after listening to that person's testimony, I told my mom how I had been keeping secrets from her and my dad. The next morning, my dad and I prayed and I asked for forgiveness from God. I believed that I was a sinner and needed forgiveness. I repented and put my faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross in my place and rose again so I could be with forgiven and have eternal life. I don't know what kind of person I would be if I hadn't received the grace of God. Nowadays, I can't even go five minutes without feeling the need to confess to God no matter what kind of sinful act I just committed. It is also a big help to have an accountability partner, my dad, who can make sure I stay pure throughout my days. I'm also able to share my joy in the Lord with those around me. While at school, people see Jesus in me through my actions. I choose not to cuss or talk about girls with disrespect. I'm glad to say that the love of God has not only changed my life, but the life of those around me. I'm getting baptized today to let everyone know that I believe in Jesus and will follow him for the rest of my life. Good job. Let's go over here. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.